Dunn's Steve Dunn Podcast. I am joined today by Stephanie Haynes. Stephanie is an education coach and consultant who works with students and parents as they evaluate their options after high school. She has written a book titled College is Not Mandatory, and the title kind of says it all. A lot of people think that a traditional four-year college is the only sensible thing to do after high school, but it's just not true. There are other options, and they can be a great fit for your student and your family. We talk about that today. I really enjoyed our conversation. day we all want the same thing we want our kids to be successful we want them to be happy coaching is not about telling anybody what to do it's about having them uncover what they really want I love the way that you use the phrase uh, successful and happy Mm -hmm. the two things that we probably all want and that's a great way to sum it up and that kind of is what it all comes down to is what's the point of all this I imagine that what you run into a lot is sort of an overlapping of considerations between the parents own vision about mm-hmm. how things should be which probably a lot of times arises from how the the choices that the parent made mm-hmm. themselves which they then sort of define as the correct ones and also comparing the parents comparing themselves to their friends you've got this book it's called college is not mandatory a parent's guide to navigating all the options available to our kids after high school. And you alluded to what you describe as a college for all mindset. Mm-hmm. What, what is that? And then what is the mistake in having that mindset? Yeah, that's a really great question. You know, the culture seems to be that if you don't go to a four-year college and don't get a four-year degree, that you will be less than, that you will not be successful, that somehow you won't get a job that's going to give you enough money to have the whatever lifestyle that adults seem to think that you need to have. We have a whole generation of kids who've believed that, spent a ton of money in loans, and now can't pay them off because their jobs aren't there. That's what kind of started this conversation. I thought, well, wait. Do you really have to have that to be successful? Is that really mandatory? And are we telling kids a lie that we believed and for one point I think was really true, but is that still true today? And the majority of industry, it is not true. And that's the thing I think parents have a hard time stopping and really thinking about. We have been conditioned, and I'm one of those parents as well, um, to believe that The whole point of elementary school through middle school is to get ready to go to high school. you got to get good grades in middle school so you can do better in high school. And those good grades in high school so you can go to college. That's the pathway. That's what we all have been trained to believe is the right pathway. But not every kid fits that mold. And so when a child is sitting in a school going, I don't want to do this. I just want to do something else. But there's no discussion about that or that being even okay to do. Then you get a whole group of kids, a much larger group than we are even admitting, who are desperate for something different and are shutting down and we're losing them. That bothers me because every child is valuable. Every child has a valuable future and every career we have out there is valuable. If we don't have people in industries, we've seen already that now we're struggling because there's not enough people who want to maybe be truck drivers, who want to be carpenters, who want to be electricians because we've all been told the CEO route is the best way, right? So it's about bringing that balance back rather than one or the other. Can't we just look at all of them and determine which option we best based on the career avenue we want to go to, not let the option dictate what comes after? It's a real balancing act when you're even with young children trying to figure out homework and studying and tests and everything. And my wife and I keep going back and forth about like, well, what 
what is the point? <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, like why? Why is it necessary to do well in school? Like why is it necessary to go to go to college at all? Or if so, to go to a good college? Like what's the whole right. point of it all? Right. And you you touched on that a little bit. And I think one of the biggest things we have to sort of keep in mind is that it varies from kid to kid. Like everybody's an individual. Mm-hmm. And I'll bet you that the customers for coaching and consulting services in the educational space for high school students is pretty heavily and overwhelmingly populated by people who did really well following a traditional path, right? And sort of have in that mind, as the parents, I mean, that they, you know, that, well, you tell Some, me. Yeah. I have a lot of parents who regret that they didn't take a particular avenue and want so much for their child to follow that avenue and they don't know how to help their child get into that avenue. So I've got all avenues of people who want something better for their child, but they don't know how to get it. And as an educator, right, because I'm a trained educator as well, in the school setting, there isn't that space anymore to be able to do that. There is no career exploration on a regular basis. There are a ton of high schools across the nation who are adding more career exploration into their curriculum, and it's a fantastic trend. But the majority of training of figuring out what it is to do with your life after high school comes outside of school from the student, from the parents, wherever they can look. If you go to a career counselor at a high school, they're amazing. I'm actually certified as a career development professional now. They're amazing. And the work that they do in high schools is incredible. But they have a caseload of like 250 kids. How do you help 250 kids with their high school classes, their emotional distress, and, oh, by the way, what are you going to do with your life after high school? It's so overwhelming. So it's very difficult. And that's why this book came about is parents needed to be educated. And they didn't know how to become educated. And they didn't know how to overcome the stigmas that were attached to the other options that we're less than, right? So community college feels like your kid's not launching well enough if they don't go to a four-year college and they go to two-year college instead. Going to the military has its own real great things, but parents are freaked out and terrified. Is my kid going to go to the front lines and die, right? So those are the those are the fears that I address in this. And they, Yeah, they're real, but you've got to look at your kid and let your kid figure out their career and who are they and what does that make up. So it does come from all avenues of people, and they just really are stuck. They don't know how to help their child. I've pondered over the years this question of whether college is worth it, uh, and mm-hmm. especially as it becomes more and more expensive, and especially as loans become such a burden for recent graduates, and uh, and and then every time I've just about got myself convinced that it's not such a great investment as we all assume it is, then I'll see some data that says, well, actually, if you look at the numbers, it turns out people who graduated like. Uh, you know, earn a lot more money over, and that, that compounds over time. It really makes a huge difference in somebody's life. Now, of course, it comes back to the question of like, what's it all about, and is that the most important thing? And and that's maybe a philosophical or very mm-hmm. personal question. But this question about the quality of the investment in education is one which, even to the extent that it still persists as true, the college graduates earn more money on average than others. I I think I heard you say, and I think this may be true that 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 reality is uh, is changing over time. And oh, yeah. That is, yeah. As, as tradespeople become more in demand, you, it's reasonable to expect those wages will rise. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you have observed a trend toward uh, employment decisions being based on skills and abilities as opposed to diplomas. Uh, even in traditionally white-collar jobs, particularly mm-hmm. IT or mm-hmm. computer-related jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll tell you, industry is very much aware of skills and abilities 
I would say almost as equal to uh, where your education was or what your education is or your experience or your training. But more often, they are looking for a particular kind of human being, someone who comes in with a basic ability to do what they need you to do but isn't isn't necessarily been weighed down by a whole bunch of other training that may or may not be relevant still. This is why you're seeing a rise of trade schools, right? You can go in and learn IT in 18 months and you're still relevant with the information that you have versus going and getting a computer science degree from a four-year university. You've spent four years, hopefully your university has been up to date with the materials and the instructors have been up to date and they're still in the industry and they keep up. That may or may not be the case and so you're risking that but it doesn't mean you shouldn't. So one pathway, for example, is if a, a child is really into computers and wants to work in IT or cybersecurity or whatever, but maybe costs are not there. It's not feasible for them without a ton of loans. Well, then there's other alternatives. So go to a community college, which majority of them are free right now, get an associate's degree, get a certification in computers, then use that to earn an income that's higher than just a high school diploma job that you could get, work for some time, take some night classes, get that degree if that's really what you need. But you may not. That certification that you have may get you entry into that company you really want to work for, and then you start working your way up, and they may end up paying for your training depending on what that looks like. So there's a whole bunch of different routes to look at rather than let's just take those four years to figure out who you are. Now actually it's up to six is generally the amount of time people spend in college is six years. So let's take that long of time before you actually enter into the workforce. Is that really what's best for you and the career you want? And that's kind of why I start talking about it's the career, it's not the option. These are great questions, and you have set them forth in your book. Mm -hmm. uh, you've talked about, you've broken down uh, the major options for someone who's graduating from high school. I, I would be remiss not to mention there are other options not mentioned in your book. There's the life of crime, for example. That's it. You haven't discussed that. <laughs> nope. There's the option of uh, just living on the streets and mm -hmm. relying on the kindness mm -hmm. of strangers. Like, so there are certain <laughs> things that you could do that are not, but I think you've probably covered most of the bases that yeah. most people are going to be interested in, and those are traditional four-year college, community college, apprenticeship or trade schools, and uh, the military, and then also the concept of a gap season. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to just touch on each of those in turn. So one of them is community college. Mm -hmm. And as a lawyer, I represented a community college in Charlotte. Very rewarding experience. Wonderful place. I saw the commitment of the educators there, the quality of yeah. the educators there, and the breadth of uh, opportunity that was mm -hmm. available there from traditional academic stuff that yeah. existed on quite a high level uh, to what might overlap with like a trade school experience, yep. like yep. career-oriented stuff, including some which was sponsored by and partnered with employer, local mm -hmm. employers, and there was a, kind of a direct pipeline yep. into pretty good jobs. And... Uh, so I'd love to hear what your thoughts are about community college, who it's best set, suited for. And one of the things that you pointed out in the book that I confess I hadn't thought much about was uh, the opportunity to pursue athletics in a serious mm -hmm. way as a community college student. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, community college, I think, are very underrated. And primarily, I think it's because they don't necessarily offer the option for a child to leave home. 
right? Because most of the time, community colleges don't have on-campus housing, although some are starting to offer that. So a child either has to know somebody they're going to move out into an apartment with, which feels very unsafe to parents, because are they going to be okay? Because a dorm feels safer, although it's probably not. But they're living at home, possibly, which can be beneficial if they're trying to save money, but if that child wants to take off and spread their wings a little bit, it's a little different. So I always recommend looking at the programs that a community college offers based on the kind of career that you want, because there are... a there are so many, like you said, for that one community college you, you represented, there's all kinds of career training, and that's not the only place. There's plenty of community colleges all over the nation that offer this. Some of them are even offering them for free. So, for example, in South Carolina, the Trident Technical College System offers 150-degree-based programs for free. So most of them you can get an associate's degree plus a certification. Others are a certification because that's all you need to enter into the workforce in a livable wage. We're not talking minimum wage. We're talking livable wages, right? In these industries that are in high demand, our governor said they're going to be free. California has 100% free community college. So, you know, there's, there's the ideal person would be someone who maybe isn't quite sure what they want, so they may need a little more time to figure it out because why do you want to spend $25,000 to figure out what you want for a year when you can maybe spend $1,500 to $5,000? That's a little bit better investment, right? Two, they may not may or may not want to leave home. So they may want to stick around and be around. After COVID, we had a lot of kids who didn't want to leave anymore because they didn't know if they could come back. They didn't know if they'd get stuck. And they didn't want their parents to be without them. There was this whole connection. So there's that. And the third one is it maybe their career doesn't require a four-year degree and they really want to get to work. Great. What kind of certifications can you get at the community college? What does that look like? And the best part about it is that when you apply to a community college, very rarely is your GPA an, a requirement, right? For your colleges, you have this minimum GPA. There's this average GPA. It gets skyrocketing every year. Um, they have their own placement tests, if you will. It's tried in, it's called the AccuPlacer. I don't know if it's the same everywhere else, but um, you don't have to take the ACT or the SAT. So there's no stress about having to perform and pr prove you're smart enough to go to a four-year college with a test, right? Although many schools are removing that, other things are coming into play. So that student who doesn't want to do that, this is a great option for them. And it's it can be something that can be very beneficial. Well, Trident sounds wonderful. It mm -hmm. sounds It's a place that is, uh, that pops up a lot in the book, in mm -hmm. the uh, the testimonials, both from the students and the parents' perspective. It sounds like yeah. it's a place where you can go and uh, and find a path forward to success in a lot of different mm -hmm. uh, areas. I'm curious about uh, the overlap or the distinctions between a community college um, and the apprenticeship or trade school route? Because it seems like there's a lot of overlap there, but what, what are the differences? Yeah, it depends on where you live. Some community colleges offer apprenticeship programs where they have already built that partnership between the industry and a school. And those generally are youth-based. They do have some adult-based, but they're youth-based, which means a student can start as early as their junior year in high school. This is a tricky one, and I think I tie this in in the book quite a bit, is you really are working and then you're adding school to it. And you're either getting dual enrollment credit for the high school courses you still have to finish, and you're getting elective credit for the college courses you might have to take that help you learn in the industry area that you're in apprenticeship for. But the majority of your time is spent working and you're getting paid a regular salary and you're eligible for bonuses and by the time you graduate high school you have two years of relevant experience that either usually in this particular case lands you the job at that particular company or you can take your experience somewhere else or you can go off and finish your associates or transfer to a four-year university and you've lost nothing 
There are adult apprenticeships as well for those who graduate high school and then decide they want to do an apprenticeship. And those are offered through companies, so it's great to look at the different companies that you might be interested in based on the careers that you want and say, okay, do they offer internships? Do they offer apprenticeships? What does that look like? Sometimes just going to their company website and reaching out if, they don't, if you don't see something can help you see it. But a lot of kids are creating their own apprenticeships. They're going to companies to say, hey, I really want to learn to do this. Can we do something like an apprenticeship? And those are completely unique and they're very different and you don't have college credit attached to them or anything else. So that's a whole other plethora, you know, route the kids are taking. Trade schools are places that you pay for, right? But they are specialized that one particular industry or career cluster area. They don't go and do all of them. Like a community college would do multiple different areas. A trade school focuses on one particular area. There are healthcare trade schools like ECPI, I think is one in South Carolina. There are IT trade schools. They're all, you know, specific lanes of things. And so if that's what you really want and the local community college either doesn't offer what you want or you don't want to have to take the general education requirement classes that are part of that program, a trade school could be a really great option for you instead. One of the things that I think kids ought to keep in mind is that you can attain the pinnacle of success in life and in your profession by following any educational path. And this is something that when we, uh, as professional people, I'm a lawyer by training. My wife's a doctor. We were, we were good at school people. We went straight mm -hmm. to college and then straight into grad school. Me too. We, yeah, we went on our, on our professional track. Uh, but as a lawyer, what I discovered was that I was representing clients who were companies. And a lot of times those companies were owned by people who didn't go to a four-year college or who didn't right. particularly care about it, you know, or right. didn't, didn't study anything there that had anything to do with what they were doing. And I, I think it's worth saying that if you go to a trade school or you go to a community college and you learn about heating and air or something like that, it doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to be physically doing heating and air for your career for the rest of your life you may end up being you know owning the heating and air company and exactly. in that way you are what, what you do and what you described as the path of the four-year uh, college is like basically trying to become the ceo or the you know the mm -hmm. the ceo path but there's really a very small number of people who actually become the ceo right, right. the right. vast majority of people who graduate from four-year colleges end up being you know just sort of professional people and right. I, I am one of them there's nothing wrong with it but I'm, you know, as a lawyer, like I work for people who employed me, who had attained much greater levels of success mm -hmm. than I did. And college really didn't have a whole lot to do with it. Yeah. And that's why I advocate that it's about the career choice and the career pathway. And I definitely advocate that anybody working with teenagers, it's not about what do you want to do with the rest of your life or what do you want to do with your life after high school? It's what do you want? What do you want to have as a result of your 20s? What do you want? What kind of income do you want? What kind of lifestyle do you want? What do you want it to look like on your 30th birthday? That wakes kids up. It's like, wait, 30? Yeah, you 12 years. By the time you graduate high school, you're going to be 30. What do you want to do? What do you want to accomplish? What do you want to spend your 20s doing? You write about the concept of career clusters. Mm -hmm. uh, what, what is that? Yeah, there are 16 of them, actually. They're industry careers that are linked together by certain skills, aptitudes, and characteristics. So there would be a medical-type career cluster. So anything within medicine would be in that. But that career cluster isn't only about one option. Within that career cluster, every option is represented in terms of training and education. Military is one that... Mm -hmm. Um, you describe as one that has got a lot of positive aspects to it in terms of benefits and housing and travel and the ability to, again, like learn incredibly valuable skills, like skills 
and trades sometimes that are valuable uh, after a military career. Mm -hmm. But that's it's one that families enter into sometimes with some trepidation. What are those conversations like with students and parents? Yeah, you know, my daughter actually wanted to go into the military at one point. She was very much considering it, and we were not opposed, but she needed to make that decision for herself because it's a big decision, right? And that's what it feels like because it's out of all of them, it's the only one that has a contract. When you sign, you're obligated. When you sign for a college, you can drop out. But when you sign for the military, you cannot. So it, it's an obligation. And that's a very big part of this conversation is you're choosing to be in service for a minimum of four years if you enlist as an 18-year-old person, right? So it's that, that's the big conversation is, okay, are you ready to do this and ready really to leave everything you've ever known and start something new? There are a lot of kids who, for which that is a massive draw. Yes, I don't want to be in my hometown anymore. I don't want to be around these people. It wasn't a positive experience for me. Or it was, but I need to be something different than who I was. I need to change that now. And so they want to go into that. The other option, the other way that people look at is what skills do I really want to learn and what do I want to do with those skills? What can I be trained to do that is cutting edge? And the military offers the most cutting edge in majority of careers, medicine and technology and cybersecurity, drones, aircraft, all of that. Even aircraft maintenance, if you want to be working in maintenance, you have all of that and that training program, you're paid for it. So those are the kinds of things that people are interested in. A lot of people think, oh man, if I don't do well in school, then I always have the military to opt in. That's not the case. You have to pass the ASVAB. You have to pass a test that proves that you have the aptitudes. And those aptitudes, they, they use to kind of put you into different areas within the military. So depending on where you score, it's like a strengths finders, but a little bit more advanced than that. That helps them know where you might best fit in within the military. So you have to do that. There's a whole physical fitness test that you have to go through. And there are a lot of backgrounds, checks and um, if you have some medical issues, you may not even be eligible. So it's not just for the people who aren't good enough. This is the high cream of the crop too. And the other option is those kids who want to go to four-year college, they can go on an ROTC scholarship or they can go into the reserves and have that employment, have that be taken care of and they get their college paid for and then they can enter into the military as an officer which is a whole different route than if you enlist. And so there's a lot of opportunity in there for kids to really get what they want at the highest level and be paid to do it. And then there's also in service to others. And that's the people that I think are most suited for the military is ones who are really willing to sacrifice because it is a sacrifice. You are giving up your own freedoms to serve other people's ability to be free. So if that's what you were interested in, you like that ulterior motive, that intrinsic motive to it, and it can be a really great fit. But it always starts with that conversation and then it moves into, okay, let's talk with the recruiters. And I always tell kids, don't ever go by yourself, go with an adult, don't commit to anything that day because you need time to process to visit all of the different branches to really see what's out there and be diligent about what you want. Because the military, like any other job, they have job openings. So if they don't have what you want open, you don't need to sign for something else just because you can wait until something else opens. And a lot of people don't know that. One of the points you make in the book is that there's the need for all types of uh, careers within the military. So mm -hmm. there's barbers who are in the military. Mm -hmm. There's people. There's cooks uh, mm -hmm. who who do good work as mm -hmm. cooks in the military. There's uh, auto mechanics, all all types, uh, office type workers. Yep. Uh, people have to do math and accounting and stuff like that. It really does come down to what does your child want? What's going to help them own themselves? 
Let's talk about the concept of a gap season. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is one that when I was considering my options, and and I really didn't consider my options very deeply at all. (laughs) I I just thought, I literally thought that like, you go from middle school to high school, you go to high school from college and that's Mm -hmm. that. And then Mm -hmm. near the end of college, I realized I didn't have very many prospects at all. So I better go to law school and (laughs) and then have at least three more years to figure something out, right? So I didn't think about it deeply. Uh, And certainly at that time, I wasn't aware of anybody doing any kind of a gap after high school. and. At some point, I began to hear of what I think was used to be referred to as a gap year, which mm-hmm. was the idea of uh, waiting uh, an academic year between mm-hmm. high school and college. Somebody who's college bound but takes that time when they're mm-hmm. 18 mm-hmm. years old to do something different, uh, typically for a year. And my own thought was that that's brilliant. That that's a great idea. That uh, that I you know maybe everybody should do that because it seems like. <laughs> It gives you the opportunity to um, just to grow before you go to college and come into college with uh, a certain perspective and mm-hmm. perhaps the benefit of some life experience. And so when I think about this, there's a lot of different ways of conceiving of, of what you do, though, during that right. time. And this is, I think, what people struggle with. So I look at this and I'm just like, yeah, what the kids should do is go work as a roofer or something for a year. <laughs> like do some really like just... You know, do, do a tough job, like yeah. learn how to work and, and see what that's like so that you can make an informed decision about what you want to do from from that point forward. I think that others envision something more um, experientially enriching, like mm-hmm. backpacking through Europe or something mm-hmm. like that. And I, I imagine that what parents stress about or what they worry could be the consequence of this choice is someone who just ends up really not doing much of anything maybe you know you're not even working or sitting around the house so how do you encounter students and parents uh, wrestling with this decision yeah you know I had one of my very first clients was a client who knew she did not want to go to school she wanted to learn a whole bunch of other things that could not be taught in school and mom was like I think I don't I think I support this but I don't know what to do I don't know how to help her I don't know what this is about and she doesn't want to hear from me so great so we sat down and we talked and her ideal dream was to charter a boat for families off the coast of Hawaii where she could help them create memories and I said well what do you need to do that she's like well you can't do that I said wait those exist don't they well yeah well how do you think those people got there well I don't know well don't you think you can do this too they, she was mind, She could not think that she could do this because she didn't know how to make it work in college. I'm like, it doesn't have to fit college. That's why it's not working. What we discovered by looking together was we found a gap season program where she got to travel to Costa Rica for six months. She was trained as a master diver. She got to work on a charter boat, learn the ins and outs of mechanics of a charter boat, got to work as a charter, got to do all of these things. She's now got all this networking done and she's done all this experience. And now she goes, oh, I know what I can do. I have the skills. I'm going to go to Hawaii. I'm going to get my apartment because I'm going to earn some money. And then I can start at the baseline level and work my way up to own my own boat and do my own thing. Along the way, she's like, I know I have to get some business classes in. So there's a community college right here where I think I'm going to be going and I can get the business classes I need there. But she has a reason. This is the whole point of a gap season is when you don't know how to do what you want to do, how can you get the experience to do it? What do you really need to ignite that passion to drive you to get there? And that's what a gap season really can be. And that's why it's not a whole year. That's why I call it a gap season because it can be for three months. It can be for six weeks. It doesn't have to be this long, drawn-out year. And in fact, if anybody who really is considering this definitely wants to go to college, then I tell them, apply and defer your acceptance for a year. And then you know you've got a year to go figure out some things. And there are 
there are accredited programs that, and when I say accredited, I mean they are certified programs. I don't recommend not using anything that's not certified, right? But they're certified programs. They take the FAFSA form. So if you qualify for financial aid, that goes towards that. If you really want to use that, you can get that financial aid. Some of them offer scholarships, but they're 10 weeks, 12 weeks, 15 weeks, uh, three months, whatever, and you can go get this experiential learning. A lot of people term these um, other ones mission strips are another form of gap seasons, right? A lot of kids will go on mission strips over Easter break or whatever, but what happens if you want to go spend three weeks in Ecuador or three months in Ecuador as a missionary doing work down there, getting skills, but you're learning a language, you're getting a different perspective. Maybe that'll give you a different perspective of what you want to do when you come back. Those are all different op options, but that's not the only time you can do it. You can go to college, maybe you go to community college, get a certification, take a gap season then before you go to four-year college. Maybe you go to four-year college and before you enter the workforce, you take a gap season. Colleges offer study abroad programs. Those are gap seasons. So those are all different things to look at to get that perspective shift of your own little bubble is not the entire world. How can you step out of that? Well, and that's that's the whole thing, right? Isn't it amazing how... The decisions that we make, every single one of them, is within the context of what we know is the options. Mm -hmm. And how often have I, in going through life, looked back and thought, you know, I didn't have to do any of that. I could have done something completely different. I, oh, you know what? There are people who did made totally different choices. And it seems like in your work, a big part of it, it's making sure that people know what all is out there and actually go through one by one and consider each one for real mm -hmm. uh, and, and all its pros and cons. It's exciting to when a student gets that aha moment like, wait, you're serious? I, I can do this? Wait, I, I can do this? I'm like, yeah, this is how you can do this. And what do you think? And they are like, oh, my gosh. It's even more exciting when the parents make peace with that. And they go, I never would have thought about this, but they're so darn happy. I can't even stand it. And then they get over the cultural stigma of their child not going to a four-year college because that's what they're really battling. I was going to ask you what the biggest thing was that holds people back, right? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, and it's, 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 it's not a cultural stigma like across the board because it's still most people don't go to four-year colleges, right? It's, a, it's within a certain demographic. This is what I was kind of alluding to before because I feel like I'm very much in it. Like I and my wife and all of our friends are all – like it's almost like a, a stressful, like competitive sport or something. Right. Like what the kids are doing, you right. know what I mean? And right. we do everything we can to not buy into that. Right. Uh, but this is the water that we're swimming in, right? Yes. This is the world in which we live. If you look at the advertising of colleges, right? Watch any college game. It's all about everything we do to make your life amazing. That's their job. They're marketing their business, and they should be. But the idea here is all the, even on the news. Well, what are colleges doing to be inclusive? What are colleges doing to make sure the lowest demographic of student can get in? What are they doing to make sure we can raise that, that awareness of those students who may not otherwise know about college because their communities don't support that? The How, assumption being mm -hmm. that this is the thing that mm -hmm. you should be doing. Right. This, this is a goal. This is the opportunity that ought to be available to everybody. Right. And if it's not... Well, that's really regrettable. You know, exactly. that's a shame. Yeah. yeah, and you're not going to make it. You're not going to be successful. You're never going to get out of this unless you get that four-year degree. The only reason it is is because those of us currently who went to college are in that lane because industry stopped looking for people who didn't have a college degree. 
Right. Now they're looking for people who don't have a college degree, and those jobs are starting to pop up higher and higher. And when I say stigma, it's because nobody believes that if they choose to do something different than what their current cultural standard says, that somehow they're going against the grain, and that's a really hard place to be. And that's the fight. You and I would get on Facebook, and what do we see right now? College acceptance letters. We see the college admittance. This is my daughter's going here. My son's going here. We see all those things, right? We may see who got recruited by which school and where they're going to play. It's all of this big, like you said, competitive sport. But is that really what it's about? Is that really what we want our kids to be focusing on? Is this prestige of getting accepted to a college? Or is it about the job that they're going to be able to do, the way they're going to change the world, the way they're going to use who they are, their gifts and talents to make an impact? Isn't that we should be celebrating? And does it really require an option to do that? Well, Having firmly established that college is not mandatory, <laughs> and we know this because it's the literally the title of the book, mm-hmm. there are some people for whom a four-year college is the right choice. Yes, and it is, sure. it, it's something that a lot of people pursue. Uh, my own experience in a four-year college was wonderful. It was great fun. Mm-hmm. I loved being independent and living away from home, and I had really exciting educational opportunities. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot of really uh, interesting stuff and, and I got passionate about learning in a way because I felt like it was, you know, at a high level. I felt like my my talents were being put to work in a way that I hadn't experienced in right. high school. And I made lifelong friends mm-hmm. and I developed a relationship with the institution, which while complex is a lifelong one, right? Yeah. And yeah. so, so... All of that is also, it's it's not as though parents who want their kids to go to college are like just totally missing the boat, right? No, there is something not. amazing yes. about it. Then the, the separate question is, where do you right. go? Right. And that's... Uh- that actually is the leading question is, is where, but the, the first question is career, right? What is it you want to do? And if they, their career is something that does need or maybe needs, but not quite sure about a college degree, but they really want to go to college. Fantastic. Let's figure this out. Then it becomes, okay, so what, what do you want to have as a result of going to college? What are your goals for, for going to this particular option? Which is the same question I asked for every other option, by the way. But a lot of it comes down to, so I don't want to be in debt. Okay. So what does that mean for you? How are you going to avoid that debt? How much debt is too much debt for you? And those are some values clarifications questions, right? Or it's, I I want to be so far away from home. I want to be away from this. Okay, that means out of state for those students. Okay, let's talk about out of state. What school is going to give you the degree training that you need for the career that you want? It's not about the name of the school, but if it is about the name of the school, is that the best investment of your time and money? And when you ask a child to think about it in those terms, things do shift. And sometimes they stay with the exact same thought thing that they had, and that's fantastic. Sometimes they realize, oh, wait, I was picking this school because my mom and dad went to that school, and I've only known that school my whole life. you got to overcome this mentality that people who don't go to college are not smart, right? Right. I've, I've, I've... I, and it was easy for me because I had a bunch of friends in high school who, and unfortunately, they went to college. They were they were very bright. Uh, they went on to become very successful in their fields, but they had this sort of unfortunate detour into college, right? <laughs> which, which was not the right thing. And they ended up being those those people who got like a zero point four GPA, right. who like never went to class, and you know it was it was uh, it was a misdirection. It was a missed opportunity, frankly, mm-hmm. because you're talking about valuable time. We think about almost anything else they could have done. A gap season would have been ideal. Right. Uh, trade apprenticeship type program right. would have been ideal. 
The choice of school is important. It comes down to a lot of factors. The size of the school, the size of the classes they're going to be in, the teacher-student ratio that they're going to experience. Do they have sports or not sports? Are they in a rural environment or are they in a city or a suburban area? Very different kinds of experiences. How far away from home are they? What's the transportation gonna be like? What's it cost to live when you're not in the dorms? Because those are all different factors. Do they have professional organizations? Are there, um, are there uh, instructors part of the environment of that industry or they have been in teaching for you know 25 years? Nothing against that, but are they connected with the industry and can they help you network? That's another thing to be thinking about. Is the name of the school really important when it comes to whatever future career you have? In very rare careers, is that actually the case? I knew I wanted to be a teacher in second grade and never wavered. That's in itself an anomaly. But when I left teaching, because I was home with my kids, I felt like I had somehow failed, like I hadn't done my job, like I hadn't owned the education that my parents and I had sacrificed so much to get. But I had taught for 10 years. Of course I did. And in that space, I had to figure out who am I? What does that really look like? And transition, what else do I have available? What else can I do? And when I learned about coaching, I went, oh, that, I didn't know if that was even a thing. Can you do this? And once I found out I could, I was like, oh, we can try this. I underwent a career change myself. Mm -hmm. So I was a lawyer for a long time and was kind of a sort of a mediator kind of on the side. Uh, But it was what I wanted to do. It was my favorite thing. It was my favorite part. You know, it's what I really wanted. And I'll never forget the moment. It wasn't one moment, but there was a relatively short time frame where the thinking about this concept changed from, man, I wish I could do that to... Oh, I, I myself could literally do that. Mm -hmm. And then, then next step was I am going to do Mm -hmm. it. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and then, then it became like talking to my law partners and saying, Hey guys, uh, I'm leaving the law firm, you know, I'm sorry. And then announcing it to the world. Like, and each step along the way, there was this great, uh, sensation of, of just kind of an alignment of a feeling in place of a relief really, Mm -hmm. uh, that made all the, the day-to-day annoyances and the details much easier to deal with. Yeah. And I imagine if, it, I wonder if that's like a lot of what you're doing and working with your clients is helping them. Like, do you see the light bulb go on mm-hmm. with people when mm-hmm. they realize like, oh my gosh, you're saying as a student, I've been, I've been thinking about this from the aspect of the parents. Like the parents right. are like, Kids got to go to college because right. I became, you know, the assistant to the regional manager by going to college. And that's what you need to do. Right. You know what I mean? But and the kid is just like, uh. but w- what I imagine also happens is within the student, there comes a moment where they realize, like, hold on a minute. Mm-hmm. You're saying I can, like, work outside all the time mm-hmm. or I can travel or mm-hmm. I can pursue this. Th- I can do this thing that I find really fun right. all the time. And that right. could be my whole life. Right. And that's why I start with values, right? In the guide that I have at the back of Let's the book. Let's talk about that because this is yeah. where you, after you kind of set forth like all the different options, you then explicate a methodology mm-hmm. for thinking about it. Mm-hmm. To, for Here's what you ought to examine and all the things you ought to, mm-hmm. ought to consider. The first one that you mentioned is the growth mindset. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so growth mindset believes in opportunity and its, its opposite is a limited mindset that believes nothing's ever going to change, right? So think of the kid who says, I'm never going to be good at math. They may not have been good at math at fourth grade. They might have gotten some bad mark. And I'm never going to be good at math. And they keep saying that to themselves over and over and over. And they build a neural pathway that's a physical change in their brain that says, I'm not good at math. I'm not good at math. And so every time they have something in front of them that relates to math, I'm not good at this. I can't do this. And they shut down. That's called a limited mindset. 
We have these in a myriad of different places. You may be saying to yourself, I'm never going to be good at anything other than a lawyer. I don't know what I want to do. I have to go to spend three more years in school. You trained your brain. Until I know what I want to do, I have to stay in school. That was the thought process, right? Sometimes it's you know, inadvertently put into us. We don't know these things. They just become habits. But when we're choosing to believe something that is in conflict with our values, we become, we have unrest. And this is where I think a lot of our kids are and a lot of our parents are. We just don't know that that's what we're experiencing. We just think it's just unease because our kids are going up to school or whatever that might be. And so when we talk about that limited mindset, turning it into a growth mindset is where we can be the greatest asset to our children. We have all kinds of problems and things we've overcome in the past. But we overcame them because we changed our thinking about it. You changed your thinking about, I can't, to how can I, and I can, and I am. That was changing a neural pathway, the way you thought about something. We can help our kids do that. When they say, I'm never going to be good at that. Say, wait, wait, wait. Is that really true? Are you really never, ever going to be able to develop the brain to be able to handle this? You may feel like that now, but maybe it's just as temporary. Helping them when they say those limiting mindset statements to turn them into growth opportunities. We're all going to fail. Failure is not a bad thing. Failure is actually a learning experience. What did you learn? How can you grow from that? So it starts with that, and that usually comes from us. What fixed mindsets do we have about our kids? What do we believe about them? Do we believe they're just never going to be good enough? Right, right. Do we believe they're not good enough in school? Do we believe they're just whatever? Uh, It's so hard not not to Mm -hmm. pigeonhole the kids Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. we struggle with this all the time. Like Mm -hmm. we don't want to like create these like rigid roles for the kids and impose them and then just act like they're totally unchanging. Yet at the same time, the kids have certain personalities. They kind of are a certain right. way. And it's like really hard not to. I, I struggled with this so much, especially with like with respect to like sex stereotypes. Like I don't, I don't want my daughter to feel like she has to like only do girl stuff. And I don't want the boy to feel like he's uh, he's limited by in his options in life by this. But then at the same time, they just naturally freely chose to behave in a lot of stereotypical <laughs> ways. You know, and it's like, ah, how do I manage this? Because I, I certainly don't want to tell them that they're doing it wrong by being themselves. Right. And, if so anyway, that's why that's why I like I don't want to try to talk anybody out of going to a four year college right, if exactly. that's the right thing for them, right? Exactly. Well, the way here's how we figure it out: we look at it in kind of a deliberate way, and one of the things that we examine is values, mm-hmm. right? So, mm-hmm. what's the process for that, and what are the sort of the key components of that analysis? Yeah, you know, it's identifying what is really most important, and for the child, you know, you can do your own as a parent or as an adult. Go right ahead. But really what's most important for that child, because if that child's not going to be living out their values, they're going to live an uncomfortable life. That's just how we're made. And so what really is important to them and helping them recognize if they don't have something and it bothers them, that's probably a value that they want to hold on to. What's the overlap between values and what you describe as passion points? Mm, So passion points are those things that when when you're doing that particular activity, there's something different about you. You know, I t- we talk about my daughter. She's hugely passionate. She cannot stand when people are marginalized for anything. She thinks all people, all humans are equal and we should all be treated that way. Right. Love that about her. And she cannot stand when it doesn't get worked out that way. It makes, she cringes. So I'm like, okay, how is, it, how is what you're going to do now going to fit into that? She's like, oh, mom, you just wait. I got this salon in mind and I'm going to build this salon and everybody's going to be able to come in. I'm going to learn how to do black hair and Hispanic hair and Asian hair and white. And we're all going to be in this and it is going to be the community hub. She's got a dream based on the fact that she wants everybody to believe they can be beautiful because she wants everybody to believe that they're okay. We are talking so much about career choice, right? Mm -hmm. And what you do for work. Mm -hmm. And in my own journey of life, one of the things that I eventually figured out is that 
what you do for a living is not the sum total of who you are, Mm -mm. right? That there's a lot more to you than that. There is, there's some level on which it's okay for what you do for work to just be what you do to get money to do the things that to get through life, right? Yes, absolutely. And that's, and that's what, you know, I don't think we can recognize what that might be at 17 or 18. And if you have a child who is like, but mom, I'm going to get this kind of job because I want to be able to do this. And I need to go to this kind of job so I can earn the money to do this. Then let them go. Seriously, if they have that clarity that they know what they want and they know they can't do this for money over here, but they have to be part of their life. So this job is what's going to help them do that. Then let them because they're going to be exceedingly happy. And as a parent, isn't that what we really want is for our kids to be happy. You've worked with a lot of people on answering all these questions, and you've mm-hmm. encountered people for whom four-year college is definitely the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. You've, you've worked with people who've gone to the military. You've worked with people who've chosen to pursue a trade or to go on a community college path, and people who've chosen a gap season, and then that led to some other thing. I, I wonder in all of uh, the body of work that you've done and all the people who you've observed if there's a particular pathway that stands out to you as being the most often overlooked or underappreciated? I'd say it'd be the apprenticeship program. And I think it's because it's such a new concept here in this country. You know, if you look at Eastern or Western European countries or Eastern European countries, apprenticeships are the way you go. You go to school and then you go to an, you become an apprentice and then you learn the skill and the trade that way. University is not necessarily the standard for career development. The people that I quote in the book, the case studies that I have, the majority of them that finished that apprenticeship program that started at 16, by the time they were 20, they were buying their own house. What makes a person happy? Is it is it living consistently with someone's values? Is it enjoying um, each moment of each day? Or how, how do you think about that, both for yourself and for your clients? Mm, for myself, I think about it in terms of aligning myself to the values of the season of life I'm in. Right, I'm an empty nester. Not quite happy about that, but that's okay. They have to leave at some point. So there's a whole season change there. What is it that's making me come alive in this season? And that's the question I ask my clients to think about. Well, Stephanie Haynes, it's been a joy speaking with you. I've got a few copies of your book, College is Not Mandatory, A Parent's Guide to Navigating All the Options Available to Our Kids After High School, and I'll be distributing them to the listeners of the Steve Dunn Podcast. Thank you so much for being with me today. I'm so happy to have been here. Thank you for the great conversation.